Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Plain. M-I-P. With Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, pleasure to have with us here on Make It Plain. Joining me, by the way, I'm on Israel C. I'm on the Black Voters Matter bus, and we're organizing uh, against voter suppression uh, to prevent voter suppression throughout the South. I am literally on the Black Voters Matter bus. I think the secretary would be interested to know in a very historic location. We are parked in front of Ebenezer Baptist Church here in Atlanta, Georgia. In fact, right in between the church and the Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King uh, tombs uh, that are uh, here in Atlanta. So we're talking to the secretary here, Secretary Miguel Cardona of the Department of Education. Mr. Secretary, how are you today? I'm well, Reverend. Nice to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you. I think this is an appropriate place for me to engage you in this discussion as you are beginning to move the Department of Education and the whole system toward discussing equity, correct? Yes, sir. It's, it's an opportunity for us as educators to really double down on our efforts. The pandemic made worse gaps in opportunities that existed across the country. We can't blame it on the pandemic. They were there before. And we need to be bold about reopening and reimagining schools so all students have an opportunity to be successful. You all also working and helping to assist to see to it that all schools do in fact reopen this fall, correct? I expect all students to have an opportunity to go in person every day uh, across the country. Uh, anything less would be not fair to those students. Uh, they've been out too long. We need to make sure the schools are safe, they're clean, and that parents feel comfortable sending their children to school. That's our responsibility. I noticed you all have also done a study showing how communities have been underserved during COVID, right? We've been collecting data. We've been looking at research. And what we found recently is that despite schools being reopened, 96% of our schools, pre-K through eight, have provided in-person learning options for students going back in April. But about half of our Black students 
about half of our uh, Latino students and about 60% of our Asian students in grade four have selected to stay remote. So we have a lot of work to do to make sure that students are taking advantage of it equally and that they have access and confidence to be in our schools and that our schools are meeting their needs, whatever they are academically and emotionally as well, because our black and brown students have experienced a lot of trauma. I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, well, it, it, it's also important that schools, you mentioned academically, but also the emotional issue. I've had in, in recent weeks, a friend of mine, Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, and she talked about how our schools really are a place to address almost everything. Schools can have the resources to deal with the with the learning, with the with the trauma, the emotional needs. Also, many of our kids in underserved communities, don't they, uh, rely on schools for their meals too, don't they? You know, one of the things I was most proud of as commissioner of education when I was in Connecticut before I came to this role, that we fed millions, millions of students um, when they needed it most. We had students hungry, and we were addressing their needs. We were addressing their basic needs, like hunger. So when we come back to schools, we need to think bigger than just math, reading and writing. We need to think their social and emotional well-being, access to mental health. We know in our black and brown communities, especially, there was a lot of loss of life. There were a lot of illness. The effects of COVID were bad. So we need to make sure that our schools are one-stop shop where families feel comfortable, students feel comfortable, where their needs are met. You know, we, we need to do more. They deserve it. They've been waiting for us. It's time for us to step up. Agree. Now tell us, too, about the equity summits and symposiums you have. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Next week, we're starting or kicking off our first of multiple education equity summits. We're going to have Dr. Pedro Noguera, who's, uh, in my opinion, one of the greatest scholars around equity that we have in our country. We have uh, Principal Baruti Kafale talking about equity from the lens of a, a school leader. We have uh, Miami-Dade County Superintendent Carvalho, Deputy Education Secretary Cindy Martin, and educators from across the country are going to be talking about how we need to reimagine because going back, Reverend, going back to what it was like in March 2020 is not good enough. Many students were being failed by our system prior to that. So we need to do better. We need to build back better. The funding is there with the American Rescue Plan. Now we need to match it with the will to give our students what they deserve. And we, we're, we're glad you're doing that. This is uh, so, so important. And again, folks, hopefully the plan is for all schools to fully reopen. Last, I do have to ask this. What about vaccinations for students? and uh, are we going to be moving toward a scenario where students can actually go when they go to school, get vaccinated? You know, we I, I was in Washington, D.C. the other day and I visited a high school with the chancellor there and the principal and the vaccines were being done in the gymnasium because it's one thing for me to say, go get vaccinated. I mean, I got my own children vaccinated, but it's right. another thing to have your school principal tell you not only is it safe, but we're going to do it in the hallways of the school that you're familiar with so that the children and their families can get vaccinated. It's on all of us to make sure we return safely. And it, it really takes a village. So I'm glad to see schools are doing it. To those who are listening, get vaccinated. The data shows it's safe. Um, I wouldn't put a vaccine in my daughter's arm if I wasn't 100% sure that it's going to be safe for her. I want her to get back into school where she belongs, with her friends, with her teachers. It's on all of us. So get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated yet. The Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, has been our guest doing great work. Uh, and Secretary, I hope this won't be the last time we chat, okay? Definitely. Maybe I have to take a ride with you on that bus to uh, make sure that those uh, black boats matter. I'm always do that. Next time 
we, we go out on this freedom ride. I'm going to invite you. I think you'd All enjoy right. it. All right. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Take man. Care. Thank you, Secretary Cardona. All right, bye -bye. All right, all right. More MIP after this message. What up, y'all? It's Torre, author of I Would Die For You, Why Prince Became an Icon. And in just a few weeks, we're going to drop an epic eight-episode podcast about Prince called Who Was Prince, where we talk to his girlfriends, his musicians, his engineers, his managers, all sorts of people who were close to him to find out who he really was. Who was Prince? Find out on June 21st. In the meantime, follow Who Was Prince wherever fine podcasts are streamed. Folks, joining us now is Dr. Henry Walk, CDC Director of Preparedness and Emergency Infections. Dr. Walk, welcome to Make It Plain. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, the CDC has classified the COVID-19 Delta variant as a variant of concern. So what does that mean? How concerned should we be? Yeah, we classified it as a variant of concern because of a couple of reasons. One, it's this particular variant, the Delta variant, is, is more transmissible. Basically, that means that person who's infected is more likely to pass it on to others. And that person who's infected then will pass it on to others. And the more people that are infected, actually, the more people then will be hospitalized and eventually die. So we're actually really quite concerned about the Delta variant because it's more transmissible, more likely to pass on to, to another person. The other reason that we're concerned is that we see an exponential rise in this particular variant um, in the U.S., in May, it was around 2.5% of all the variants that are circulating in the U.S. And now it's almost 10%, and we expect it to continue to rise throughout the summer. So what does that mean? I mean, we're reopening. People are getting vaccinated, and obviously we want more and more to get vaccinated. But things are coming back to normal. What does this variant do? How does that affect us getting back to normal? Right. So... Um, you know, how it's going to affect us is really, it's going to affect really the unvaccinated persons. The vaccines that we have now in the U.S. are very effective against the Delta variant, against this Delta variant. But as you know, there's a number of, of counties and states in the country where the vaccination levels are, are, are lower than the national standard. And so it's, the Delta variant really is a risk for those who are unvaccinated. So we potentially, I'm not as worried now in the, in the middle of the summer where a lot of people are spending time outdoors, but as we move into the fall and we move into the winter uh, where you're spending a lot more time indoors and this Delta variant becomes more and more uh, prevalent in our communities, people that are unvaccinated are more at risk. And we expect to see um, an increase in cases if the vaccination rates are low. So I think if you're vaccinated, there's not a concern here. It's really the concern is among the unvaccinated persons in those communities where the vaccination coverage is low. So if we're vaccinated, there's not a lot of concern. But let me ask you this. There's been some speculation, nothing confirmed. So I ask you about the need for those who've been vaccinated to maybe get a booster come <laughs> the fall. Are you all, have you all begun to look at that? Where, where is that? Yeah, absolutely. We certainly are looking at it. There's a number of studies that are ongoing now, you know, with a, a number of different academic partners uh, trying to understand if there will be a need uh, for a booster shot um, in the future. Now, we don't have, uh, I don't have a definitive answer today. I think we'll learn, we'll learn more and more throughout the summer. 
the good news is, is that, as I said, the, um, the vaccines that we have work. It's really an issue of how long will they work, sort of a duration of protection. More and more data is coming out to say that the vaccines that we have actually, you know, have a, have a long lifetime, a long, li- a long uh, duration of protection. How long that will be? Will it be a year? Will it be two years or five years? It, it's still unclear. So more studies are coming. Potentially, there may be a need for a booster uh, in the future, but it's unclear when. But we certainly are planning. Um, we certainly are, have the studies in place. And operationally, we're also planning if there was a need for a booster in the future that we're ready to do that. So lastly, you talked about how long they could last, two years, five years. Dr. Walk, do we have to accept the fact now that for the foreseeable future, we're humankind is going to have to live with COVID and or its variants, that it's here? that it's not something that's just going to completely be gone by the fall. Is that what we need to accept? I I think that's right. And we're not going to be able to eliminate um, this virus. We um, know certainly the uh, transmission levels are are much lower now than they were um, in the winter. Um, This past January, Um, we're, we're very optimistic. Cases are declining. Hospitalizations are declining. Deaths are declining. But, but this is in the U.S. Um, when we look at, and, you know, viruses, you know, don't pay attention really to boundaries. So when we look at South America, when we look at, at Europe, when we look in uh, India and other places around the world where there's a lot of transmission uh, going on and a lot of countries don't have vaccination levels at the same rate that we have, I think we're going to be at this for years to come. And that doesn't even take into account. I mean, we're moving into a greater awareness level as humankind that there could be other pandemics, other things like COVID, right? I mean, that's right. That's right. This is really where we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we are. And I, I think that um, it, it's not only this particular variant, but it's, or Delta, the Delta variant, but it could be another variant that emerges um, in the future. Or this is a particular coronavirus, but we also have to prepare for particularly uh, maybe a more severe strain of, of flu, of flu or influenza. So, this is uh, this is something we need to prepare for, I think, as a nation, as as a global community, uh, not only to try to get people as vaccinated for this particular threat, but also to prepare for the future. So just want to say, um, please, those in your audience, if you have the opportunity um, or seek the opportunity, please get vaccinated. All right. And we know that the uh, second gentleman is traveling in the South, encouraging vaccinations as well. Let me thank you, Dr. Walk, for joining us here on Make It Plain and for your continued hard work and all those at the CDC uh, working who have been working on this. And as you all heard him say, I mean, they, they are dealing with this every day and looking towards the future. You know, people like to watch the movie Men in Black. And, and the, the, the line is that they're always preparing against an alien invasion. And that's a fantasy. But what they're doing is, is kind of like men in black, except it's not a fantasy because we're dealing with diseases um, and trying to get a handle on that and control it and anticipate what might happen and come up with solutions. So this 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 changes if you really are conscious of this, it changes one's perspective on life and a whole lot of other things, puts a lot of stuff in perspective. So I just want to thank you for continuing that hard work, Dr. Walk. OK, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me on. More MIP after this message. Folks, we are on the blackest bus in America, the Black Voters Matter bus traveling throughout the South, recreating the 1961 Freedom Rides. 
50, over 50 years ago. And I guess it would be, this is 2021, so this is 60 years ago now, believe it or not. Uh, wow, time flies. We're going to be hearing from some of the Freedom Riders, original Freedom Riders this week, as well as folks in these spaces we're visiting as they talk about voter suppression and why Black voters matter. Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright will be here this week, so we'll be hearing from a number of great people on location in some of the cities that we are visiting. So stay tuned. We're in Nashville kicking off the Freedom Ride. It started in New Orleans, went on to Jackson and Birmingham and Mississippi. Uh, so in Nashville, I've joined them in Nashville, my hometown where I grew up, and here with uh, State Senator Brenda Gilmore. How are you? I'm wonderful, wonderful, and welcome back. It was you good. can always come back home. Well, I'm glad to be home, as always, <laughs> glad to be home. So obviously we're doing voter suppression. Yes. What's going on? It's in the state capitol here in terms of voter spread. This is one of the states where there's a lot of foolishness going on. Yes, yes, I agree. This is a deep, deep red state. Uh, fortunately, this particular general session, we did not have any bills that further suppress the vote. But of course, you know, we passed the ID vote bill here in the state of Tennessee, one of the first states to pass that. And that, at the time, Tennessee was around 24, 28th in the country in terms of voter participation. Now we're at the bottom. We're in something like 48th in the country in terms of voter uh, participation. So that ID really had a dramatic effect on people who look like me, mm -hmm. black people, brown people, women, and poor people. So we've got to do that. If Georgia can turn things around, I have confidence that Tennessee can today. And today what we're doing is expunging records. In the state of Tennessee, there are around 370,000 people who cannot vote. They've been disenfranchised because they have felonies. So we're trying to expunge some of those records today. Of those, 177,000 um, black people, primarily black men. So that is, that's a huge, huge factor. In fact, in the state of Tennessee, this General Assembly, although we didn't pass any voter suppression bills, we passed a number of criminal justice bills that further added felonies for simple things. For example, there was a bill that if you hit a protester in a roadway, on the highway, on the interstate, then you would gain immunity for hitting that protester. Fortunately, the sponsor pulled it back, but I expect to see it again in January when we go back in session. And that, that, that's, that's crazy. So you're able to expunge. You're, yeah. you, that no, there's nothing stopping you from doing that? I mean, that's, that's a law, that's something you're able to do, expunge yes, records? Yes, yes, yes. In fact, I do have to commend one of my colleagues, Senator Hale, who's one of my colleagues across the aisle, who passed a very extensive expungement bill, uh, bringing into the uh, family more um, causes and crimes that, that are eligible to be expunged. So I do want to commend him for that. And we did pass an important bill uh, eliminating the uh, choke that we saw what happened to Mr. Floyd. So that has been eliminated. Uh, you saw those officers standing around looking at Mr. George Floyd when he was being killed. The bill also says that if you uh, witness something like that, you have a responsibility to report it and to intervene and stop it. So that was a good bill. But we passed so many bad bills this time, it's just terrible. The block bill, block grant bill, that was terrible. We passed the constitutional carry bill, which means you don't have to have a uh, uh, a permit to carry a gun. Anybody 18 years old and older can carry a gun. No background checks, no fingerprints, 
uh, even people who have uh, mental illnesses, there's no way to check that. Is Tennessee open carry now? They are, yes. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. So that, just like Texas. Yeah, and those states that have passed those bills, we've seen homicides and crimes have just gone up incrementally. Yeah. So we yeah, expect yeah. the same thing to happen in Tennessee. So, so is the, the, the biggest thing that's suppressing the vote now the ID is is that being used to suppress oh, yes, the vote? It's, yeah, it's been and, and then our Secretary of State uh, championed the bill last year in which if you register 100 people or more and if there's a certain percentage of errors in it, then you are fine and you, and, you, and you will find yourself with a misdemeanor. And I think that had a chilling effect on organizations that's mine. Wow. I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, right, right, right. and we do massive voter registration, as the Divine Nine does. So I think that that probably frightens people. How many mistakes do you have to make? I've forgotten the percentage. Uh, I think it, it's, it's over 10 percent. That's um, crazy. It is exactly. So um, what about early voting, absentee voting? That, Where is that? Okay, that that did not get. Uh, Turn back. Good. There was a bill where one of uh, my state senators was eliminating early vote completely, but it just didn't gain any traction. So thank Good. God. Hopefully, Good. we won't see it when we go back in January. What do you think about the mansion compromise in the Senate? Well, I don't know. I know that he's trying to bring some Republicans along with him. I don't think that that's going to happen. And I hate to see us throw out an important piece of legislation that um, Congressman uh, Lewis fought for, and we not do anything and just let it die. This is a wonderful opportunity for Democrats and those uh, Republicans who believe in the democratic process to build up and bring into the fold more people to participate in the voting process. Yeah. And if this bill dies, it's really gonna hurt the momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, State Senator Brenda Gilmore here with us on Make It Plain. Thank you, thank you for having us. And having me in particular back home in Nashville. Thank you. <laughs> wonderful. You wonderful. Always come home. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.